The Gospel of Matthew, in fact, the Gospels in general and the New Testament more widely, is the announcement of the arrival of the Kingdom of God under the Lordship of the Son of God, Jesus the Christ, the long-awaited Messiah expected by the Jewish people for centuries, if not millennia. Now, one of the popular beliefs about Jesus uh, in today's world is that Jesus never came to judge the world, but to save it. And indeed, this is taken from John's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 47. I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world, says Jesus. But what exactly does this mean? Does it mean that Jesus does not judge, only the Father judges? Well, no, Jesus most definitely does judge the Jewish authorities, including uh, their kings and their religious leaders, who, as Simon reminded us this morning, have failed to administer the land in righteousness and according to the precepts of God. Instead, they twisted the scriptures to suit their own ends and instituted many more restrictions on ordinary people to enslave them to the religious temple cult. No, Jesus most definitely judges the ruling authorities in Jerusalem, pronouncing seven woes upon them and cursing the fig tree, making it no longer fruitful as a sign of Israel's failure and judgment. Within that very generation, as Jesus himself says in Matthew 24, the great tribulation would come and the destruction of the temple at the hands of the Roman forces under the control of Titus would take place. So what does Jesus mean in John 12? Is he contradicting himself? Well, is it not the gospel about Jesus taking the judgment that should come upon us, upon himself instead? Indeed, it's through the judgment of the Father turned upon Jesus, who willingly becomes our substitute, that we receive salvation. Our iniquities meant death for Christ, and his death brings us, who deserve the penalty of death, life in his name. Hallelujah. And so the gospel emphasizes the free offer of salvation, rightly so. Jesus has come to save, but he also will judge. As we see in Matthew 24, uh, upon unbelieving Israel, Israel who have not listened and who have opposed God's Messiah. There is a stark difference between the natural descendants of Abraham and the children of the promise, the ones who would receive by God's grace, Christ the Lord. It is into this context that the Gospel writers give their accounts of Jesus' birth. So with me, let's read from Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. 
His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name. Jesus. This is the word of God. The context into which that scripture, which is quoted from Isaiah, was a context of prophetic judgment through the prophet Isaiah. Judgment of Judah, specifically, but also through the prophet Isaiah came judgment against Israel, the northern kingdom. So let's keep in mind that reality of Israel and Judah's idolatry and unrighteousness and the judgment of God. As we go through the text this evening, I have got three points, three C's, and they are as follows. Firstly, consideration. Secondly, confidence. And thirdly, commands. Consideration, confidence, and commands. Firstly then, consideration. Consider the claims made in the Gospels about Jesus. Have you surrendered your life to Jesus as Lord? Have you accepted those claims? Are they reality for you? Is Jesus and his righteous rule something that holds significance in your life? Is it your priority to submit your life to the rule of Christ? The reason I ask these questions is because the popular Jesus is the saviour who asks no questions and who makes no demands. The gentle saviour who mops up after our every spillage and never holds us accountable. Our culture screams ever more loudly with each passing year, nobody can judge me. Or possibly we might hear, only God can judge me. But what kind of a judge is he? They're God. Perhaps he's a judge like our own magistrates in 21st century Britain who increasingly let many serious offenders off with virtually not even a slap on the wrist. But of course our prisons, those that remain open, are all full. 
We can't afford to incarcerate criminals anymore. After all, aren't they just the victims of difficult upbringings? Or falling into the wrong crowd? I hope you detect the irony in what I'm saying. The idea of a judge who is absolutely concerned about the life choices we make, who will most definitely hold us accountable for our blatant transgressions, is so unpopular in today's world. And yet, without divine justice and the biblical worldview, we have no legitimate reason to demand justice for any infringements. Our culture wants to have its cake and eat it. Justice, but only for other people. No harsh rulings for me and my friends, only for those who really deserve it. Our friend Matthew, the former tax collector, writes his gospel to introduce you to Jesus, the God-man who so turned around Matthew's life that he was left with absolutely no doubt whatsoever that Jesus was God visiting us in the flesh and that all things would come into subjection to Jesus' righteous and eternal rule. King Jesus has come. He is the one, the one whom the Jewish people were meant to be waiting for. Except they weren't that certain. Joseph, for example, was uncertain about the child Mary was expecting. Should he divorce her quietly and try and avoid disgrace for them both? What a sticky situation to face. Matthew tells us the birth of the Messiah, the anointed one of God, took place. It happened. And it happened in this way. We can have certainty. It doesn't say once upon a time. It says the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Do you believe it? Do you believe in the virgin conception, the virgin pregnancy, and the virgin birth? I'm not asking you if you believe in the perpetual virginity of Mary. Because that is, that is an extra-biblical fairy tale. Jesus had natural brothers and sisters, as God's word tells us. Joseph knew Mary not until she had given birth to a son. Jesus. Mary would give birth at precisely the right time in human history. According to numerous biblical prophecies at the time of God's own choosing the son of God would enter the world to become the prophet of prophets prophesying speaking with authority issuing judgments and carrying out the fulfillment of the law in perfect obedience to his father then as the Passover lamb of God suffering and dying for his elect people. The very stump left in Judah 
which Simon read about for us in Isaiah 6 this morning. You know, those like Simeon and Anna, who we read of in Luke chapter 2, they and others like him, uh, them were the faithful remnant who would, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, recognize their king in the face of the babe born to Mary. So let us consider the claims that are before us every year as we prepare to celebrate and as we celebrate the Christmas season. What will we decide? Will 2024 be a year to devote to our Sovereign Lord, Jesus? Or will we prefer to sit out another year, keeping our options open? Friends, we can have confidence and life in its fullness with the Christ of Christmas. My second point, confidence. For Joseph, the encounter with the angel of God proved conclusive. Joseph did not look back once the Lord had spoken to him. Though unsure of the news of Mary's pregnancy, Joseph considered these things. Even as I'm suggesting, we ought to consider these things. And we ought to encourage others to consider these things. Joseph considered these things. He did not make a knee-jerk decision. As we are told, he was a just man, unwilling to put Mary to shame. Even though under Jewish law, he would have been entitled to shame her and to demand just justice for the offence caused to him. Joseph was an honourable man. Praise God. And so he pondered and wrestled with what to do. It became a burden to him. So if we're approaching the Christmas season with burdens of our own, Let's take comfort knowing that we're not the first people to have burdens before us as Christmas approaches. Yet this whole enterprise, this whole reality was the Lord's doing. And the Lord had a plan for Joseph, not only for Mary. Joseph would become the Saviour's earthly father and he would help Mary to raise their child together. The child. The long-awaited seed of God. In Genesis chapter 4, Eve conceives another son and wonders, would this boy be the serpent crusher God has promised us? I think that's something that those of faith ponder isn't it or would ponder in that situation in the light of Christ's birth we no longer have to ponder but the faithful in times past wondered with every generation they looked for signs they awaited God's fulfillment of his promise to send his Messiah to reconcile all things to himself and to rule until all his enemies become his footstool Friends, we can be confident 
in the word that we have received from the Lord through his prophets and apostles. The detail that it provides is proven year by year in ever greater clarity by archaeologists and historians. And for those who are reading and listening through the eyes and ears of faith, there is no book like this one. Though there are many pretenders and plagiarists, the Bible alone is the divinely consistent, irrefutable and unbreakable word. And this is what we see in these verses and in the prophecy that we heard this morning from Isaiah 6 and 7. King Ahaz's lack of faith would be revealed. And both the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah would come under the Lord's judgment for their widespread unfaithfulness and idolatry. Preferring to pursue worldly riches and glory rather than surrender to the precepts of God and his holiness. Both Israel and Judah would suffer at the hands of pagan nations. Friends, the gospel is not a suggestion. It is a command. Repent and believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. That through him alone is redemption possible. Then and only then.